Read with me in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 14. And, and the reason why I'm reading this is because you and I know the scripture that says we're redeemed by what? The blood of the Lamb. And, and most of us, if you've been here three months, you've heard me teach and teach and teach on this. But most Christians, when you say to them, how many know we're redeemed by the blood? They would say, oh, amen. And then you'd say, well, where did Jesus shed his blood? And they always say what? At Calvary, on the cross. But my people destroyed for what reason? The only thing that can destroy us is our lack of knowledge or our knowledge but not doing it. And so God's word says, my people, not, not those out there, my people destroyed for one reason, their lack of knowledge. And one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why we're not seeing what Jesus paid for by his blood is we do not realize that Jesus did not just shed his blood in Calvary, but Jesus shed his blood seven different places. Read with me in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 14. He shall take some of the blood of the bull... Sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side before the mercy seat. He shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger. How many times? Seven times. Now, for the, because we've gone over this so much, jump down to verse 19. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger. How many times? Seven times and cleanse it and sanctify it from the, for the uncleanness of the children of Israel. All right. This is... Yom Kippur. This is the time in which three things happened for Israel. All three of those things happened with us through Jesus Christ if we understand the Word of God. On Yom Kippur, number one, they would bring a lamb in and that lamb would be sacrificed and the death and the blood of that lamb would wash their sins away. Of course, we know that Jesus is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. The second thing that would happen is that they would take their finger and they would dip the high priest Aaron. The sins are gone. The sins are gone. Now he would take the blood and go into the mercy seat. This is where prosperity comes. This is where healing comes. This is where God touches your marriage. This is where God touches your children. This is where God touches your crops and your flock and your job. And they would take the blood of the lamb that died and washed the sins away, we could say born again, and they would sprinkle it to release the power of God in their lives seven times. So the first thing that would happen is the sins are forgiven. How many of you have sins forgiven? The second thing that would happen is, is the seven places of that blood would release the blessing. How many want all seven places that Jesus shed his blood? The third thing then, they would take the blood of that lamb and they would take it to the second lamb or the second goat and they would confess the curses. This lamb died to forgive the sins. The blood of that lamb released the blessing. But they confess there's a curse of poverty because we stole from somebody. There's a curse on my marriage because we committed adultery. There's a curse on my life because I spoke a lie against my brother. There's a curse on my children because I spoke against somebody else's children. And they would send this second lamb out to the desert. That's why Jesus said, you take a lamb, you cast it out. It goes to the desert. He's talking about Israel. It comes back, but it finds the door open. We haven't put the blood of Jesus on the door, all seven places. When I see the blood, I will stand in front of your door, and I will forbid poverty to come in. I will forbid illegitimacy to come in. I will forbid cancer to come in. I will forbid accusations to come in. Are you understand what I'm saying? So what we've got to see is this is an illustration that most Christians miss of three different things that Jesus Christ already did for us. Number one, our sins are forgiven. Shout amen. Amen. Number two, the curse is broken. 
Okay, why is it important to understand? And I'm going to take you somewhere in this that you've never heard before. I promise 99% of you have never heard this before. Why is it important that we understand how to break? Most people, they, let, let's say we lied or let's say we stole something or let's say we cheated. We come to the Lord and we say, God, forgive me. Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. Is your sins forgiven? But if you don't understand how to break that curse, even though our sins are forgiven, that curse comes back in and destroys the blessing. It rises up and the curse chokes out the harvest that God has prepared for you and your family. Are you with me? All right, now I'm going to show you something here and you've got to be a new wineskin. Three things has taken place with Jesus. Number one, our sins are forgiven. Number two, the blessing, we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There are seven places that Jesus shed his blood. And I'll just name these real quick because I want to get into some scripture here. In the garden, in the garden of Eden, Adam said, Father, not your will, but my will be done. And Satan became the God of this world and man lost his willpower. Jesus, in the garden of Gethsemane, said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Now listen to me. Somebody watching by TV needs this right now. You're, you're, you're trying to battle drug addiction. You're trying to battle alcoholism or, or for your loved one or for your husband or for your children. You don't have to battle. I, I, I am not a recovering drug addict. Amen. And I thank God for everybody's trying to help, but I run into people all the time. Well, I, I'm, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I am not a recovering alcoholic. I am not a recovering heroin addict. I'm not a recovering cocaine addict. I am an ex-addict. I'm ex. I'm not that anymore. Okay? So in the Garden of Eden, Adam said, not your will, but my will. He lost our willpower. Satan became the god of this world. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. And he sweat great drops of blood. Listen to me. We're redeemed by the... When Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. He knew what they were going to do. He knew they were going to beat him. He knew they were going to torture him. He knew he was going to die on the cross. He said, Father, if there be some other way, nonetheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And out of his pores came droplets of blood, and that blood bought back my willpower. And now I could say no to heroin, and I could say no to cocaine. I can say, you can say no to depression. Because who the sun sets free, the curse is broken and we're free indeed. Somebody say amen. amen. Second place at the whipping post. By his stripes we're healed. We know that. Third place, crown of thorns. In the Garden of Eden, it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. God cursed the land with thorns. Thorns are a symbol. If you do not have more than enough, then you are living under a curse that is going to be broken today. Oh, somebody didn't hear that. You've been giving, you've been tithing, you've been, you've been sowing seed, but you haven't broke the curse. We're redeemed by the blood. The symbol of the curse was thorns and thistles. The sign that, that God was no longer Jehovah Jireh, our provider for Adam, is God said, now, by the sweat of your brow. Now, listen to me. It's not just sowing a seed. Adam didn't just sow a seed. He had to work the seed. But what he did, Jehovah Jireh got behind and multiplied. But now that God was no longer Jehovah Jireh, now instead of, um, of milk and honey, thorns and thistles, and no matter how hard Adam worked, the sweat of his brow, working two jobs, working three jobs, working 80 hours a day, the sweat of his brow was a, a reminder that God had removed himself from being Jehovah Jireh to the human race. But you and I are brought back by the blood. When they took that crown, the thorn bush, they wove it into crowns, they placed that crown on Jesus' head, and where we're cursed by the sweat of Adam's brow, out came blood, and the curse of not enough, the curse that we're on our own, is broken. Somebody say amen. Are you all with me? So in the garden, sweating, great drops of blood, our willpower. You need to lay hands on your kids, your husband, yourself. 
Somebody watching my television right now, they say, I, I claim my willpower. Nobody wants to be a drug addict. Nobody wants to be an alcoholic. Well, just say no. I've been there. You can't say no. But when Jesus comes in, they'll tell you you'll never change. But the word says who the son sets free is free indeed. Can I have an amen? Okay. Then by his stripes, claim your healing. We're we're seeing people miraculously healed. Sickness, sometimes sickness just comes on us. But, But sickness is always part of the curse. Man was never, a lot of people are asking for a healing when they need to ask to be delivered from the curse of sickness. Are you you okay? That's why we see so many miracles. Then breaking the curse of not enough and, and by the blood, God becoming your provider again. Then in his hands, everything you put your hands to, authority, in his feet, every place you put the sole of your feet, I'll give it to you. Dominion, authority and dominion. All of these things were lost in the Garden of Eden when Adam surrendered to, to Satan and Satan became the God of this world and he began to pull our chains and yank us around. But Christ has redeemed us, brought us back. He's already forgiven us. But don't stop at the altar, the cross of forgiveness. Take that blood, put it on the curse send it out to the desert, let it die, and then take the blood and release it on prosperity and, and, and blessing and healing and joy. It's all ours by the blood of the Lamb. Somebody say amen. amen. The sixth place, the sixth place was in his side. When they pierced his side, out came blood and water. Jesus didn't die from the crucifixion. Jesus died in a matter of hours, which was very unusual, and we don't have time to get into that today. But he died from taking the weight of our sins. Okay, he's come to heal the brokenhearted. He's come to heal you from the pain of your past. He's come to heal you from condemnation. There is no condemnation that are in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, if, you, if the devil condemns you because of your past, you ought to get excited because he who is forgiven much loveth much. Okay, now, okay, so those are all, we've gone over those, but here's the seventh place that Jesus shed his blood. When Jesus died on the cross... His last words were, it's finished. Right? Three days later, what happened? He rose again. Where was Jesus in those three days? Okay, some people say hell, some people say Hades, some people uh, uh, um, say other things. And Now here's where I'm going to take you in a place that many of you have never been before, but it is going to be an exciting journey. Now, just, just, just to get us thinking where Jesus was for those three days, when Adam disobeyed God in the book of Genesis, the curse came on Adam, the curse came on Eve, and then if you remember, God said to the serpent, to Satan, he said, you're cursed above all animals and beasts of the field. And he said, uh, he then gave a prophecy, and he said, there's going to come a time that my son will stomp on your head and bruise his heel. Now, I want you to think for a second. When Adam and Eve blew it in the garden, Satan temporarily took the keys of authority for this world. Temporarily. For most of the world, Satan had the keys of authority. When Jesus hung on that cross and he said, it's finished, they took his body and they put his body into a tomb. But where did his spirit, where did his soul go? Now, we won't get, take time to read the scriptures, but you can read 1 Peter and you can read 2 Peter and you can read the book of Acts. And what it says is, is that Jesus... Body went in the tomb, but Jesus himself, his spirit, his soul, went to the gates of Hades. Are are y'all okay? Jesus went to the gates of Hades, and something transpired that we've missed. If if we took time to read the book of Revelations, you can write this down. Revelations chapter 1, verse 18 Jesus said, I now have the keys to death and Hades. Now, 
back in Genesis, the prophecy came that my son, the Savior, would come and he would stomp on your forehead and bruise your, his heel. Everybody say bruise. He would bruise his heel. Go all the way to the end in Revelations and he says, I now have the keys, the authority of death and Hades. Keys bind and keys loosen. Keys lock and keys unlock. So Jesus, when he hung on that cross, he said, it's finished. They put his body in a tomb, but Jesus himself went to the gates of Hades and took the keys back from the devil of life. It says here, life and Hades. Now, let me show you something. Here's where it gets real interesting. You ready to be a new wineskin? In the Bible, there are three words for hell. Three words that in English we transfer into hell. One of them is Shul, that's in the Hebrew. Another one is Hades, and another one is Gehenna. Now, the, now, so as it's written in the original language, it'll say Shul, or it'll say Hades, or it'll say Gehenna. In those places, most of the time we translate that, our, our authors, our writers have translated that into hell. He's gone to hell. He's gone to hell. They're going to hell. They'll burn in hell. But sometimes we have missed what that word really means. The word hell, whether it's Shoal, Hades, or Gehenna, means an unseen place. It means, now listen to this, a place of personal or national judgment. It means a vanishing are a disappearing from God's blessing. A disappearing from God's blessing. Okay? Now go with me to Matthew chapter 5, and here's where we're going to have some murmuring and some <laughs> wailing and gnashing of teeth here. There are... As you're turning there, let me say this. There are two main ways in religion to control people. If you look up about cults or you look about some religious organization that controls people, there are two ways to control people. One is fear. The other is poverty. The church has done a real good way of keeping people poor and keeping them afraid of God. And yet my Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Okay? I, 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 Tiz and I grew up for 16, 17 years in our church, and we were taught against prosperity. We were taught if you want to prosper, uh, that's evil, that's wicked, that's the Adamic nature. And then I began to read my Bible, where my Bible says God wants to give it to me, good measure, plus down, shaking together, overflowing, where I don't have enough room. And I'm saying, you know, something's wrong. Either my tradition that I'm being taught is wrong, or the Word of God is wrong. I don't believe the Word of God is wrong. I believe the way we translate or interpret the Word of God is where we get in trouble. Now, let me share again. Three words for hell. Shul. Gehenna and Hades, they mean a grave, a place of disappearance, a judgment, a judgment on a person or on a nation, a separation from God's blessing. Are you ready? Okay, read now with me in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Now, I don't know about you, but this has always bothered me until I begin to read the Word of God and find out what it meant. Chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Now, let me stop right there. When you and I think of judgment, what do we think of? Hell. That's what we're told to think of. OK? 
Okay, and so we look at this. So you heard as those of murder who have been in danger of judgment or hell. That's right. Those murderers are going to go to hell and burn in hell forever and ever. But then it says, if you're angry without your brother, with your brother without cause. How many have ever been angry with someone since you've been a Christian? And sometimes it was an imaginary anger. Well, you're going to burn in hell forever and ever and ever and ever. I don't buy that. See, I can feel that old wine. Now look at this. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. So if you say, oh, you're a fool, or if you say to your husband, you're an idiot, <laughs> then if we're interpreting this the way that a lot of the church wants to interpret, it means you're going to burn in hell because you called somebody a fool? Is anybody buying that? Has that ever bothered you? What a mighty God we serve. You fool. Burn in hell forever. (laughs) The Prince of Peace. You fool. Burn in hell forever. When down the road somebody cuts you off. Burn in hell forever. Does that even make sense to you? Okay, let me show you. Jump over to um, uh, verse 27. You have heard that it is said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. That's right. Those fornicators are burning in hell. See, we love, man, we love to control people through this hell thing. Come on, say amen. But I say to you, whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has already committed. So in other words, if men somewhere once in your life you ever looked at a woman and went, whoo? <laughs> then you're going to burn in hell. <laughs> of course, that means, ladies, if you ever looked at a man. Oh, yeah. Look at verse 29. And if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Pluck that eye out. Because it's better to be blind and burn in hell because you looked at something. Now, I'm not saying we ought to look at something. You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying we're reading this wrong. And because we're reading it, my people destroyed for what reason? Let's finish this. For it is more profitable that one of your members should perish than your whole body be cast into hell. All right. Who's saying these words? Are you ready to go somewhere now? Who's saying these words? When was he saying them? Before the cross. Who is he saying them to? Romans, Texans, Jews. Okay, number one, Jews do not, did not, still do not believe in an eternal hell and damnation. They don't believe in it, never did. So if Jesus was talking here about what we're told of hell, you looked at a woman, that's hell burning hell, and there's wailing and demons, and ah, screaming and everything forever and ever and ever. Because you looked... Because you called somebody an idiot? Because your husband and you got in a fight and you called him a jerk or you called her an idiot, so now you're going to burn in hell forever and ever? Come on, man! If that's the case, I'm the only one making it to heaven. Unless lying is involved there. Right? Come on, I can feel your brains going, smoke coming out of your ears. 
This is why the Bible says study. Now, I, I've not wanted to take you here before, but I feel when, when Tisnem came and said, we haven't studied, I said, well, maybe it's time. Do you want to know what that means? Okay, number one, what you've got to understand is, is that if Jesus would have said to them, if Jesus would have said to them the way we're reading it, if you look on a woman with lust, or if you say to somebody a fool, or if you gossip about somebody, you're going to burn in hell forever and ever and ever and ever, where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth, they would have walked away from him in a second because they do not believe that even today. So in other words, Jesus must have been talking about something else. If you look up the word hell here, your danger of hell, the word that our interpreters have translated is from the word Gehenna. Gehenna is not an eternal place. Gehenna is a valley that is right outside the southeast wall of Jerusalem as we speak. It is a, not a spiritual place. It is a physical place. The valley of Gehenna is talked about in the Bible all the way back into the First Testament, Old Testament. It was a place at first that the pagans would take babies and throw them into the fires of Gehenna, the fires of hell. Gehenna does not mean hell. Our interpreters just said, let's call it hell. Gehenna means the valley of somebody's sons. It'd be like we're, we're writing something and we, we say the Grand Canyon. And so we decide we're going to call it hell. Doesn't mean it, doesn't allude to it, but we've decided to call it that. Because it'll scare you more. Are you all okay? No, don't be no wineskin now. I, you know, you know, I know Christians. Don't confuse me with the truth. All the way back from the Old Testament, this has been a place of horror, of separation. It's a symbol of separation of God's blessing. Back in the times of Moloch, they would take babies and they, they, they had, they, the pagans had fires burning and burning and burning. And they would sacrifice babies into the fire. And when they threw these babies into the fire of Gehenna, there would be wailing and gnashing of teeth by mothers and fathers. That place was such an, uh, 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 an abomination that when Israel... When the Jews retook Israel and took Jerusalem, no Jew would build a dwelling place there or a business there. To this day, there's nothing there. And so because it's right out the, 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 the walls of Jerusalem, it's right there. There's building on top, all around it. They use this cursed place as a garbage dump. Historical fact, guys. We got, we got to start reading the Bible and understand what Jesus said instead of trying to understand what some guy from Rome is trying to scare us with. So this place was cursed. No Jew could live where you sacrifice bait. Would you want to build your house where babies were sacrificed? No, because there's, there, it's, a, it's a cursed place. And so they turned it into the dump. So all their trash, all their garbage, a lot of their sewerage would go in there. If their animals died, their goats, their sheep, their cattle, they would throw it in there. And the fires of this place burn continually. I'm not making this up. This is exactly what it means. In Deuteronomy, God tells his people, he said, listen, if you do what I tell you, you'll be blessed. If you don't do what I tell you, what will happen? You'll be cursed. David said, and it's repeated in the New Testament, he said, Lord... I know that you will not leave my soul in Hades. Now, if Hades and Gehenna and hell in these passages mean what we've been taught, eternal damnation, 
Once, once a man to die, then the judgment. If that's what he's talking about in these chapters, how could David say, you'll not leave my soul in Hades? When Jesus died, where did he go? Went to the gates of Hades, the place of the unseen souls. And what did he do when he was there? Preach what? To the captives and then did what with the captives? Set them free. We're talking about folks that because of disobedience have a curse that is separating them from the blessing of God. I'm not even worried about afterlife. Forget about afterlife. We'll worry about it. Let's, let's worry about afterlife later. Let's take care of today. How many of us are separated from prosperity? Separated from joy in our marriage? Separated from a healthy body? Separated from peace and prosperity? Separated from what Jesus paid for by his blood? When Jesus died on that cross, he said, it's finished. They put his body into the grave, and Jesus went to the gates of hell and stomped on the devil's forehead and bruised his heel and took back from the devil the keys to life and separation from the blessings of God. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Okay, let me... Let me say it again. Don't worry about eternal life. Okay, are you born again? Okay, let's get everybody born again and we don't have to worry about it. Deal? Okay, let's get some blessing here on earth. Let's get some blessing. When Jesus died on that cross, he went to the gates of Hades. He stomped on the devil's forehead. Listen, he was wounded for my transgressions and he was... Bruise, bruise is the seventh place. It's bleeding on the inside. What, did the, what does the scripture say? Our fathers have sinned and we have inherited their curses. Why can't we get a breakthrough? Why can't we get finances? Why can't we do this? Well, maybe it's something we did. We came to the Lord and we said, Father, forgive me. Are you forgiven? Now, go with Jesus to the gates of hell. Take those keys back that separate us. Oh, somebody's getting it. Somebody's getting it. Are you born again? Are you totally forgiven? Then you are already separated from from, from death. You will not die. You will live forever. But we need to go a step further. Are you separated from death? Let's now get the keys back. Get them into our hands so we can be separated from the curse that keeps us from the blessing of God. Are you getting this thing? when, when, When the Lord said, if you gossip, you backbite. You lust, you fornicate, you do these things, it, or, or not even do them, you think about doing them. He said, it will bring you to judgment and Gehenna. The Jews immediately understood what he meant. Because every time, hallelujah, every time Israel got out of the will of God. Remember what God said in Deuteronomy. If you do what I tell you, I'll do what? But if you don't do what I tell you, what will happen? You get cursed. They knew it. And so every time they got out of the will of God and they quit serving God and they forgot the word of God, it opened the door for their enemies to come in. And when their enemies came in, when Babylon came in, the Babylonians killed the men, women, and children and threw their bodies in the fires of hell. When the Romans came in, they killed the Jews and took their bodies and threw them in the fires of hell. That's why Jesus said, don't worry about somebody that can kill your body, but worry about somebody that can kill your soul and body. Worry about the enemy who gets you out of the will of God. That separates you from God's blessing. 
This lamb died. Oh man, I feel the Holy Ghost. This, this is your breakthrough. This lamb died and washed our sins away. We're all there. Shout amen if you're there. This lamb broke the curse. Why? Because when that lamb would go out, if it came back in and didn't die, it would kill the blessing. That's why Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter went, you're the Christ. You're the burden removing and the yoke destroying. You're the sin removing. You're the death removing and the curse breaking son of God. Somebody get this. Somebody get this. Somebody get this. It is not enough. You, we, let's say you sinned. Let's say, let's, say you, let's say before you came to Christ, you sinned. So you come and you go, Father, forgive me of my sin. Father, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Immediately your sins are forgiven. But the Lord's going, and? And we're going, and what? It's all taken care of. Yeah, but my people destroyed for what reason? We need to understand that, yes, he died on the cross because cursed is he. That's why he drugged that cross, church, up the Via Della Rosa. He drug it up the road of suffering. He said, I got to get there because it's not enough I die. I've got to break the curse. I'm the Christ. I'm the burden removing. I'm the burden. Listen. He could have died at the whipping post. He could have died when they beat him. He could have died while he's dragging the cross. But he's got, can you imagine him falling and getting back up and saying, you know what? I'm not just the burden removing. I am the Christ. I am the burden removing and yoke destroying power of God. Okay. Now watch this. So he gets to the cross. He doesn't just take our sins. He takes the iniquity. The word iniquity means the penalty or the punishment or the curse for sins committed. Lord, why is this man being punished for something he did or something his parents did? Are you getting this? He said it's finished. And we say he took our sin. He took our sin and the punishment. That's why we're redeemed from the curses of the law and released into the blessings of the law. It's finished. His body was there and he said, y'all wait here. He took my curse, my, your curse, He took poverty, he took divorce, he took abortion, he took illegitimacy that keeps blocking the blessing, and he went to the gates of hell where Satan had the keys since the Garden of Eden, and he said, Satan, pow, there's fulfillment of prophecy, and he bruised, and the bleeding on the inside broke what's in us that keeps us from the blessing of God, and he brought back the keys of death and curses. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout amen. The curse is broke. Come on, somebody shout amen. Come on, somebody give him praise. The curse is broken. The curse is broken. If you say to someone, you fool, if you gossip about somebody, if you slander somebody, if you, if you go and, 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 and do something else, he is not saying you're going to burn in hell. He is saying, don't you understand when you get off the path of God, it opens the doors for the enemy to come in 
because you are now separated from what God paid for by the blood of his son. You are separated. Lord, help me. You're separated. Lord, save me. You're separated. It doesn't mean you're burning in hell. Gossipers will not burn in hell, but gossipers open the door for the enemy to come in. And what we gossiped about somebody now comes on us. If you steal something from work, you're not going to burn in hell forever and ever and ever. But it opens the door that the enemy will come in and steal more from you. It's a curse. Is anybody getting this? When I got saved, I didn't get saved. And I've shared this before. I didn't get saved because I was afraid of going to hell. I have said this for 31 years. I got saved because I was in hell. And all of a sudden it dawned, after 31 years, I knew what I was talking about without understanding what I was talking about. When we're outside of the will of God, when we're not doing what God wants us to do, he's not up there, okay, hell, okay, hell, okay, hell. I've never been good at that. I had to be around religion for years before I could really preach on hell. Does that make sense to you? Somebody's child gets killed in an automobile accident. Well, they're in hell. I'm sorry, they're not. I'm sorry, they're not. My God's more my... John Wesley said a man could fall off a horse and be saved, be right with God before he hit the ground. My God's a merciful God. Come on, my God's a merciful God. What Jesus is saying is, listen, if, if, you, if you say to your brother, fool, you've opened the door for the enemy to come in and make you a fool. If you talk bad about somebody's marriage, you've opened the door for the devil to attack your marriage. If you steal, whether it's God or another person, You've opened the door for the devil to come in and steal from you. And he said, when you, and, and you know what happens when the devil comes in and kills you and destroys you. He throws your car. And they go, I know exactly what it meant. Every time we got out of the will of God, our enemy destroyed us. The Lord's talking about, I've come to give you life and that life more abundant. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. Right? All right, one more. One more. So Jesus dies, and as he died, our sins are forgiven. Right? Then where does he go? Goes to the gates of Hades. What does he do? Preach to the captives. Say, I'm breaking them. We don't want to go there. That's too deep for you right now. Takes the keys. All along, the devil's been going, I'm going to lock you up. I'm going to lock your money up. I'm going to lock your marriage up. I'm going to lock your kids up. He's been doing it for for 4,000 years. Jesus comes back and says, I take the keys of death and curses. I take the keys of death and the enemy being able to attack Hades. The enemy, Hades. The enemy attacking your life. Now, I got the keys. So Jesus then says to Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter goes, you're the Christ. You're the one who will remove our burden. I'm forgiven and break our yoke. I don't have to be poor anymore. I don't have to be drunk anymore. I don't have to be mad anymore. And Jesus says, blessed are you who understand this. You didn't get this out of a book. You got this as a revelation to God. And on this... On the fact that I have forgiven your sin and I have destroyed the enemy that's been destroying you. I build my church and the gates of hell will not win anymore. Won't win anymore. Death. Death, eternal death, was one here. The gates of hell were one here. The gates of hell, 
that the enemy had access to your marriage. The enemy had access to your money. The enemy had access to your health. The enemy had access to your children. The enemy had access to your future. The enemy had access to your job. Jesus came and stomped on him. Took the keys. And he said, who do you say that I am? Well, you're my savior. What else? Well, you're the king of kings. What else? Well, you're the Lord of lords. What else? Oh my God, you're the burden removing and the curse destroying son of God. On this... On this, I will build my church in your life and in your life and in your life and in your life. And the gates of hell, the open door to attack in your life will no longer win. And now I have the keys. But now that you know this, I give you the keys and whatever you... Did anybody get that? Did it? One more time. I've killed death. I've destroyed death. We're going to live forever. I've gone to the gates of Hades, the gates that opened the enemy to come in and destroy your home. I took his authority away from him. Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ. Now I give you the authority and whatever you bind is bound and whatever you loosen is loosened. That's good preaching. That's good preaching. That's good preaching. Jesus, Jesus heal me. Nope. Jesus bless me. Nope. Jesus set my kids free. Nope. Why not? It's finished. I gave you the keys. Whatever you devil, I bind you off of my kids. I bind you off of my job. I bind you off of my marriage. I bind you off of my family. I bind you off of my body. And God's up there going, that's right. Get bound. Get loosened. Because whatever you bind here on earth, when you know what I just taught you, the gates of hell will not win anymore. Who's got the keys? Who's got the keys? Who's got the keys? Then start standing up and saying, devil, I rebuke you. Devil, I bind you. Who do you think you are? I'm the keeper of the keys. Thank you, Lord. 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 Sarala ba sarala bokoria. Soria ma sarala bokoria babarando. I'm telling you, God just built an army today. God just built an army today. The enemy, Rome, Babylon, Assyria, Lebanon, Jordan. Poverty, divorce, sickness, disease cannot come in anymore. Cannot come in anymore. Take your seat just for a moment. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, Lord, let there be a revelation that goes from our heads into our hearts, into our spirits, and out of our mouths. Father, let us not just hear it, but let us receive it in every area, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. I say this all the time, if all we ever did was get people saved, we couldn't praise them enough. But Jesus came to give us life and that life more abundant, joy unspeakable, a life full of of glory, the manifestation of his promises. Today, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, can I tell you something? No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, 
Whatever you're looking for, I can guarantee you it is all in the Son of God. Because through him, he connects us with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He connects us with forgiveness and joy and happiness. You don't have to go through hell. Yea, though I walk through the valley, I shall fear no evil. When I got saved, I I, I know I've said this, but when I got saved, I didn't get saved because I was afraid to go into hell. I was in hell. And now I understand what I was saying even then when I didn't even know what Genesis or Revelations was. My life was a living hell. And when I found Jesus, I have to be honest with you, I wasn't concerned about eternity. It felt so good to be free today. It felt so good to be loved today. It felt so good to be forgiven today. There is an eternity, but there is also a today. And Jesus has come to give you life and that life more abundant. I wonder how many are here right now and you'd say, Pastor Larry, I've never been saved. I've never been born again. I've never met Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe you have, but you're backslidden. You know, you've fallen away. And when you fall away, remember what that scripture, I didn't have time to teach it all. It says if a man falls away, it's almost impossible to get him back. You know why? Because just like when Israel fell away, they went into Babylonian captivity. They went into Roman captivity. And it was almost impossible, but by a miracle of God, they got back to the land. That's what that means. If a man should fall away, not because God's given up, because the enemy comes in so strong. But I got a word for you from the Holy Ghost. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. The enemy's not the flood. The power of God and the love of God is the flood. And you can't stop a flood if you'll open the gates. Isn't the word of God fun? Let me ask you something. Are are you excited about a journey we can go on through the word of God? How many many felt like a new wineskin today hearing something like this? There's, there's more. We just got to take you line upon line. See, people ask me all the time, where, and, and, where are you getting this? I'm getting it from the Bible. I'm getting it from those who wrote the Bible. And they explain it as a Jew would explain it. And I'm telling you something, folks. I believe in all my heart it's going to make what's going to make us that, that end time church. That end time church. We need to remember above all things that whatever God teaches us, it's the good news. It's the good news. You know, I found out a long time ago that I can scare a few people into heaven, but I can motivate a whole lot more with the good news. And the good news is, you know, and and, and here's reality. People talk about, you know, uh, 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 tribulation, mid-trib, post-trib, pre-trib, and I understand all that, and I'm a pre-trib guy. But you know what? There's a lot of people living in a lot of countries that are going through hell right now. And if you and I will partner together to take this message around the world via word of mouth, via satellite, we can get those people out of hell while they're still here on earth. And that's what God's called us to do. When we understand that Jesus did more than just die on the cross, he went to the gates of hell to defeat our enemy forever, not only in the next life, but in this life. Who's not going to want that Savior? You look, talk to somebody and they say, you know what? I just found out my child's sick. Let me tell you about somebody who paid the price by his blood. You know what? My, 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 my wife has left me. Let me tell you about somebody who paid the price. They're not interested in a sermon about eternity at that moment. They need hell out of their life right now. And Jesus has paid that price. Somebody shout amen. Would you give the Lord a clap offering one more time? Man, I feel good in my spirit. Hallelujah.